Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, let your will be done through us. Amen. Amen. Then the salesman at Maddox Chevrolet went to the general manager and said, increase our sales. <laughs> sales manager said, okay, go out and make more cold calls. Then the bodybuilder at 24-hour fitness went to his trainer and said, increase my size. The trainer said, okay, work out more. <laughs> then the Detroit Symphony Orchestra musician went to her conductor and said, increase my solos. The conductor said, sure, practice more. So when the disciples went to Jesus in our gospel lesson this morning with that three-word request, increase our faith, they were asking a simple question with a simple answer. Now notice I said a simple answer and not an easy answer. Increase our faith. How do we do that? Trust more in Jesus. Increase your trust in Christ. Increase your dependence, your resilience, your reliance, your life's emphasis on the Lord. Spend more time with him. Become more like him. What can I spend less time on? I started thinking about that as I was putting this sermon together. What can I spend less time on so I can spend more time with Christ? And for me, I figured it out. Well, you know, for me, it's, it's TV watching. For me, it's music. It's uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, writing, it's exercising, it's even working. As a result, I'm not up on the latest TV shows. In fact, I opened Time Magazine, I'm like, where did all these TV shows come from? <laughs> I am definitely not up on the latest music. My kid gets on the car the other day, yeah, dad, put on Teenage Disaster. I'm like, what is Teenage Disaster? No, no, dad, it's a guy, it's his name. Oh, okay. Okay, so I've, I've not written as much as I like. I'm not in the best shape I could be. I've not gotten as much done as I could. You mean I'm being asked to sacrifice some things I like to do to make more room for God? Sacrifice for God as God has sacrificed for us. That's because like physical exercise, like practicing an instrument or a sales technique, it will be good for us because we will get better at what we want to be better at doing, which, saints, is why we're here this morning and what draws us is we have a deep desire to get better at following Jesus, our life's quest. We get better at doing the things Jesus does by mimicking the things Jesus did. Jesus says we'll be able to, to do a, some, some very interesting things when we increase our faith. Well, we ask, why would we want to increase our faith? We look at the Bible, that we have Bible verses we read today, and Jesus says we'll be able to tell a mulberry tree to hop into the sea, and it will do so. 
And since I think most mulberry trees are planted in pretty good places, are in no need of my amateur relocation attempts, I think I'll keep model C. But of course, Jesus, we know here, is giving a metaphor. He is saying that with faith, the absurdly impossible becomes possible. Increase my faith so the absurdly impossible can become possible. And so I want to ask you this morning, what's absurdly impossible in your life? Things we felt were absurd and in no way possible when we increase our faith become possible. Here's a list of the absurdly impossible things that I'd like to see happen in my life. I'd like to become calm in the storm, content in uncertainty, joyful in distress, loving towards my opponents. And I'd like the faith to remain patient in suffering. Absurdly impossible things in your life, perhaps, certainly in mine. Few things would bring us more joy or witness to others more profoundly the verity of the Christian gospel than a picture of you and me just doing one of those five things. Calm in the storm. Riding a roller coaster at Cedar Point, a teenager was sitting next to an older girl and he nearly lost his voice, screaming after the coaster hit a rock that was on the tracks and, and, and it barely hung on by two wheels before somehow righting itself. And after the coaster stabilized, we kind of pulled in. The frazzled teen asked that older girl next to him why she was so calm. She, she hadn't screamed, she hadn't gripped the armrest through the whole ordeal. Easy, she said. This is the eighth time I've been on that ride today. <laughs> we weren't really in danger. That's part of the ride. She knew how the adventure was going to end. She was certain all would be well. How much more for you and me, friends, when Jesus promises on so many occasions that no matter what threatens us, no matter how big the rock in the road, the darkness of the sky, the speed of the wind, he will always be with us. Jesus will not desert us. And our end will always be in God. Calm in the storm. Perhaps it's an absurd possibility for you as well. And then there's being content in uncertainty. While vacationing in another country, a British couple rented a motorbike. They wanted to get through Athens, big city of Athens, where not only the street signs are written in Greek, but most of them were missing or defaced anyway. How are we going to get across town, asked the husband. Hop on the motorbike, said his wife. As she explained, she had Google Maps pulled up on her phone, her earbuds, and that at every turn, she would be given instructions as to where to go. You've heard them before, left in a quarter mile right at the next turn, congratulations, your destination is on the right. While at any one point in their journey, neither of them knew exactly where they were, they were relaxed and calm, knowing that they'd be told where to go and when to go when they needed to know. Friends, you and I may not know exactly where we are or how we'll get to where we're going, but God is here 
hold us, to guide us, to guide us on a need-to-know basis. It's our job to believe that that's the case, that we are in the place we're supposed to be on the path we're meant to be on. We can be content in uncertainty. Another absurd possibility, joyful in distress. You know, I had lunch this week uh, with a guy that I'd met uh, recently, a Christian man, uh, a dad whose only son turned 20 uh, and uh, a, few years, uh, a few years later, a few years ago then, uh, he was diagnosed with a serious case of schizophrenia. Uh, he told me about his son's hospitalizations, his medications, his, his delusions, his threats with weapons uh, against his parents and the ways that he and his wife were coping with this. And we talked about my friend's health, how, how he's going through this, certainly by the sons, but about my friend's commitment to live out St. Paul's advice. You know, it, it's in epistles. It's in the epistle of Paul. It's, he, he says this, he says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. We talked about that in light of the circumstance. And we discussed the distinction that we need not be thankful for schizophrenia or any other such illness or challenge, but that we can be thankful in that illness or challenge. And we, we talked about that and we teased out what that might look like. And here's where we went. We can be thankful in this suffering because in assisting them and not retreating, we are obeying the central command of our faith, which is to show up and to love one another, and to be present for one another, that we can live into the faith that we declare. We can be thankful knowing that being in close relationship with the suffering will make us, family and friends, especially children, more compassionate. You know, my first godchild is uh, has Down syndrome. And I remember when she was born, um, I was reading up on Down syndrome. And I read an article that said, families who grow up with a family member who has Downs, those children, those siblings, are much more compassionate, loving, kind, generous, and understanding. They mature faster in these important areas. We can be thankful for that. We can be thankful knowing that forging through with poise will test and strengthen our patience and our grit. Yes, folks, those are like muscles, your patience and your grits. And the more you exercise them, the better we get at them. And when we forge through with faith, our every act of aid will draw us closer to God. And the person of God, you know, it's very interesting when we read the Gospels, friends, you all know this, that God is always closest to those who suffer. God is right here, the preferential aspect that God has of God's self to be with the poor, with the suffering. God is closest to those who suffer. We can also be thankful knowing that we are becoming more understanding of what other caregivers are going through or what other people in your situation you're going through. You know, it's, it's easy to hear about somebody who's going through something bad, then you go through it, or somebody you love goes through it, and you become much more aware of what that's like. My friend says, you know, you don't have to eat dirt to know it tastes bad. Yeah, but when you taste it, you know it tastes bad. When we go through those difficult times, friends, we get a knowledge we would not get otherwise. This will deepen our appreciation also of doctors, hospitals, medical providers. 
we can look at them with much more sincere appreciation than we could otherwise. We can be thankful knowing that our faithfulness means that we're being faithful to God, our vows, and our conscience. Doesn't it feel good to go to bed some nights knowing that you did everything right? You have a choice that day, take a shortcut, or do what's right, it's a long cut. You chose a difficult path. That's what you get. And what's most mysterious when we look to be thankful in distressing situations is that we often see quite profoundly that out of suffering comes magic. What I mean by that is try to name a musical piece, a piece of artwork that did not somehow either come out of or be closely related to suffering. It's hard to do because out of our suffering comes magic. Being joyful in distress, seemingly absurdly impossible. Then, of course, loving our opponents. Lord, increase our faith to help us do that. I could have said loving our enemies. I have a hard time thinking of an enemy, but I do have people with whom I profoundly disagree. That is an absurdly impossible thing for a lot of people to do. We need God to increase our faith to do so. A high school friend just this week posted an old classmate who came to town this week. He flew up from Washington. He said, I'm holding some fundraisers for some congressional candidates. Would you put me up at your house? He said, sure. And, and I asked my friend, because his politics are diametrically opposed to this high school friend of ours who asked if he put him up. So well, what would you say? He said, I'm going to put him up because he's an old high school buddy, another human being. And if I put my political opinions above someone who's made in God's image, what does that say about idolatry and my commitment to healing the political divide that's plaguing our country? I thought it was a pretty good answer. I also said that he must, I thought that he must have recently prayed that prayer, Lord, increase our faith. Because that's what we need to go into battle with the demons of division, folks. We know how that's ripping apart our country. To be loving to those with whom we have serious disagreement. We also need to increase our faith, finally, to be patient in suffering. Nobody in this room, within the sound of my voice, can fail to name some area in their life in which they are suffering. How do we be patient? I think we can help when we discover the power of yes. A friend recently reminded me that sometimes a small three-letter word can make the difference. Yes, Y-E-T, I love three-letter words that begin with Y. To illustrate, listen to the difference in these two sentences. I'm discouraged because I don't know how to figure this out. I'm discouraged because I don't know how to figure this out. Yeah. Adding this critical word opens up possibility and hope. The first sentence states a fact, a statement that seems to be the end of the story rather than the midpoint of the story that is still going on. Adding this small but powerful word helps people move in the words of research you've probably heard Carol Dweck from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. The power of yet. I don't know how to change my unhealthy drinking habits. Yeah. I'm burned out of work. I can't figure out a way to make a change. Yeah. My grief, my depression is overwhelming and I have no idea how to create the next chapter in my life. Yeah. 
Each challenge here is significant and is not quickly resolved by simply adding the word. Yeah, I get that. But without that vital word, you and I will lack the mindset to keep trying until we figure things out, as well as being open to asking for help from others. Are you stuck right now in a loop of thinking that a particular concern in your life cannot change? That your suffering will be never-ending? This week, try to shift to a yet mindset, one that creates an opening for growth and change. This, friends, is your homework. Using that three little word, yeah. Being patient in suffering is made easier with the power of yet. And so, friends, the disciples' prayer this morning is our prayer. Increase our faith. It is to help us do the absurdly impossible, being calm in the storm because we know how the roller coaster ride ends, being content in uncertainty because we have access to a voice that's infinitely more reliable than Google Maps, being joyful in distress, remembering we need not be joyful for the distress, but we can always find ways to be joyful in distress. Being loving towards our opponents. Because, you know, the only way to make a friend an enemy, Martin Luther King famously said this, is by loving them. The only way to make a friend, and not, and to make a friend out of an enemy. And finally, being patient in suffering, putting to work the power of yet. Remember that God is not finished yet. God is not finished yet. God is alive and here and present in the community, in the sacrament, in you. Increase our faith. How do we do that? Trust more in Jesus. Increase your dependence, your reliance, your life's emphasis on the Lord. Become more like him. Spend more time with him. What does that look like for us? How might we further our way down that path? How is God calling us to take that more seriously? May our God of power, who granted the disciples their wish to increase their faith, do so with us as well. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.